ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real That's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD, hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals All right, we're here back in the network, this time with Dr. J. Calvin Tibbs. How are you today? I'm great, Dr. D. Super, super excited to be with you here today. Man, you know, so I came across a YouTube video of you speaking, and it was very powerful. I just like your energy and your whole style. And also was like very curious about the whole run laps, doing discipleship differently. Uh, so I want to, before we get into that, let's jump into Dr. Tibbs in the past. Okay. What's past Tibbs? Where, where, where do we start? <laughs> well, let's see. You, you would have to go to the U.S. Army and pick me up as a captain in the military, running from God's will, mm. but thinking I was doing it. <laughs> anyway, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, I can see the thoughts turning in your mind about it you're like oh no <laughs> exactly and, and that's why I love where I am now and I thank God for that past as, yeah. as well because I can help other people navigate and, and we were talking just before we went on air about the concepts and sometimes people think that it's better over there if I could and for me that was my thinking and so I wanted to get out of the military I did it was a terrible decision it cost us financially for right. a while and then I ended up in training in a ministry uh, that was a prophetic ministry for goodness, 17 years. And one day the Lord revealed the same training was waiting for you in Germany. Had you stayed in, I would have done it there. So I got a compressed version, which meant that it was very hard, but it was a great, great blessing. And so after all of that, I pastor a church now that led to that. I never thought I would be a pastor. And um, here I am. I'm, so I'm glad to be here today. All right, let's talk about that. You never thought you'd be a pastor. Why, why do you have that thought process? <laughs> that takes me back to the truth. <laughs> I was 20, probably 22, maybe 20, no, 21 at the time. And my girlfriend, now my wife, we were talking. And I'm like, it seems like God wants me or something. It's like he's calling me. And yeah. I literally slid down the base of the tree and just sat there exhausted in my head because I thought he was gonna cramp my style. I thought it was <laughs> like that was something deep, right? But yeah. I honestly think I thought a relationship with God would be boring and filled with these requirements. I had it so wrong. Now religion will do that to you. Correct. <laughs> Maybe that's what I saw, sorry. Yeah. But because of all of that, I, I didn't want any parts of it. I'm having a blast right now. I tell you, helping people in my mission is exactly what I encourage everybody to do. There's nothing like it. So today um, I'm, I'm happy. I, I ran before, now I help people run their race better. So let's talk about that. You were talking about you know, doing discipleship differently. What do you mean by doing it di differently? You know, there is this thing out there and because I'm an independent, you know, I was raised Baptist, went through some charismatic training, word of faith training, went to a Methodist school. And so I don't have any shade to throw on anybody. 
I just look at the culture today and what's not working. And there seems to be a bunch. And there's a tendency to go to the government for that help. But the scripture says that judgment actually starts in the house of God. So since it starts in the house of God, and Jesus told us before he left, the most important thing that would be that whatever it would be that he wanted to say, he would surely say it last. And he said, go teach, make, and baptize disciples. And this whole process of discipleship making, I'm not an expert at it, but I've been through a whole bunch of classes and taught a whole bunch of classes. Doing discipleship differently through the book, Run Laps, Get Strong, it is designed to take that, that what I call that member of Deacon Sheets Church who's sitting there watching Reverend Pillow and they're just thumbing through and they're just as happy as they could be that they didn't get up to go to anywhere and they can just thumb through it. I know that person might very well have a walk with God, have a love for God. They may not be where they need to be. This book comes along and says to you, if you learn these four things, you can probably maximize what you just heard or what you just read or what you just saw. And if I can get that done in 3 million places around the world, which I plan to, that's going to move the warmth level. People think global warming is because of science. I think it's global warming because of sin. But when you take a person who becomes a disciple and they get into the game and it's no longer boring to them and they live life with Christ, that's my goal. I love it. That's awesome. So what do you see? Like, I think your doctorate is in a very different doctorate from what I remember uh, about millennials. Can you explain this? Because I was really like, it resonated. I was like, whoa, this is different. I got to hear about this. Yeah. Yeah, it's really crazy. I, I actually was working on my, my doctorate and had a stroke. And that took me off for uh, an entire year because I couldn't do this, couldn't type. Right, right. With that in mind, I began to realize when I came back, you know what? I need to reach millennials. At first, it was going to be discipleship, but it's like I need to reach millennials. So it's called IMAC, Integrating Millennials at Church. And so the slant of the doctorate is to get millennials involved. Millennials are the present, not the future. The millennials now make up more of the workforce than the baby boomers. If they've not been introduced to or given access to the training, the experience, then they're gonna have a long road to tow, a longer road to tow than perhaps baby boomers because baby boomers read the word of God, but a lot of millennials don't. So right. if somebody doesn't come alongside of them to target them and help them and say, listen, I want to help you get up. I'm not trying to keep glory. I'm trying to bless those who are the glory of God. That's that's what that major ended up being because of the stroke. It made me change everything. Wow. I mean, what's interesting, it kind of parallels what I see in terms of like the research and statistics related to uh, church membership and millennials and how basically that church membership is down and yes. younger people are not being exposed to church or God and the whole thing. What is the root of that in your opinion or your educational experience that you've seen with that or many causes, you know? Yeah, you're right. You know, it's many causes. And I think one big one, because again, I, judgment starts in the house of God. I think we as believers in America have gotten so incredibly lazy that it became about stuff. It didn't become about what God said or Jesus said it was about. And so we chased money at the expense of our children. They almost got sacrificed on the altar of Baal, not literally, 
but figuratively because the time wasn't spent there. Children measure love by time spent. Yeah. They don't measure the, how many trucks they get and toys and things. And because a generation did that, followed by another generation, followed by another generation, we're now at a place where it's like, you know, God liked, God maybe, God possibly. that <laughs> together. And now, well, this is a God and that's a God. And the foundation is crumbling and we're looking at social products or social ingredients and issues. Those things are byproducts of the real problem. And that is the breakdown of the family, which starts with a man and a woman, in spite of what others may think, God is the author of marriage, as well as the author of people. And so he put it together so well, and we're kind of dissecting it. And a lot of us are just letting that happen and saying, well, that's just them. Instead of loving them enough to engage with them in relationship to perhaps see if there's some truth exchange that can take place. So what specific things you think let's say the church is not doing well to meet younger people's ideas of spirituality? That is a great question. That is a great question. I think we are caught in the four walls in a nice safe place, practicing the thing that we want to preserve. Mm. And I think that's a problem, especially when you consider that 85% of the work Jesus did was outside of the church. So if we just break that mold, well, then we got to know what we're going to do when we get out there. Well, that's where lapse comes in because the goal is to empower the person because the person is technically the ecclesia, the called out. So if the ecclesia is trained to love, we can start with just love. I think a lot of, and I don't want to say this to across churchdom because I don't know who's really listening. Let's <laughs> say it to our congregation. There are a bunch of mean Christians out there, flat out mean. For sure. Yeah. And they're so mean, who would follow them to Jesus? Yeah. Nobody. So if churches began to help with just the love construct and help that person to be empowered, to know that you are the church, love on somebody in your neighborhood, family, in your, in your area, if you just do that, that'll move it forward instead of just having everybody come to my church program on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Right. How has love gotten so jumbled within the church? Why has the message been so kind of convoluted in many ways? I honestly think it's convoluted and, and, and disheveled because we lost the definition. You know, the mm. meaning of love is not what the world describes it, but they've stolen the definition and we let them steal it and say, well, that's them. Love is 16 different things according to 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind. You drop all the way down mm. to love doesn't keep an account of wrongdoings. That's love. And so when a couple gets together under the basis of I love you, it's the ideal that the world sells. Of course, there's passion in love because there's another connection to that with the arrows. But I think we lost the definition of love and therefore the meaning of love is lost and the giver of love is no longer in sight. Loving is being patient with people. And who wants to be patient when I'm, <laughs> I'm running for the top? That's not for you. <laughs> so... God said they will know us, not by the preaching, the singing, the prophesying, or even the miracles and the praying. The world's going to know us by our love. And if we lose that, we've lost any hope of redeeming a lost world. So how, what are examples or, or maybe just what are you seeing where that maybe people are correcting that, which has gone wrong? Maybe some examples. I think people want to know, like, what's some good options that you're seeing? 
I think the, the the best first option is to start with the man in the mirror. You know, mm. I, I was in my time with the Lord this morning and, you know, it's not formal. It's just rather constant, you know, just yeah. thinking about and asking what, what should I be thinking about? Because I, there's a lot to think about. What do you think I should be <laughs> thinking about? It, it comes from a word called, my wife taught me this when she was teaching fourth grade called metacognition. Mm-hmm. And metacognition, the word meta is to pay attention to what's happening or to take note. Cognition, of course, is thinking. So the process of thinking about your thinking, like in the hotel room where we just were, um, people weren't thinking that at five o'clock in the morning to not let their door slam when they leave. Right. It's because they were ready to go. Mm-hmm. But the thought would be, maybe you should think that other people are still asleep even though you're getting ready to go. So when a person doesn't think about their thinking, they lose awareness. And when awareness is lost, a milestone cannot begin. And there's a milestone of awareness that leads to understanding purpose at a different level. And when we understand purpose at a different level, then we understand love at a different level because love being what it is, if it starts with me, perhaps I can share with someone my love failure or my love success. And if we just start that as like a spider web and perhaps we can move love along because again, to your point earlier, the vast majority are not inside of a church building. So what you mentioned a little bit earlier about, I wanted to come back around to this about um, the relationship with God and Jesus, but, and then also religion and the rules. There's all these rules. And, and one thing I read also too, is that for a lot of millennials in keeping with your education about it is, they feel there's a lot of sense of like this over-developed sense of rules and you can't do this, you can't do that. Talk about the disconnect between those two things, relationship versus the rules. You know, you hit it on the head really. And I think I say to our folks, the more rules, the less it's God. Mm. We only broke it down to two. Out of 613, he said, and a lawyer asked Jesus the question, so what is the greatest commandment? He thought he had Jesus, you know, cornered. Right. And he said, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. Then he said, love him with everything you have, heart, mind, and soul, and love people the same way. I think that right there, the reason why love is a problem, just like Jesus is a problem for some people. <laughs> I did a message on Jesus problem. is a problem for people. Oh, I loved hearing that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus is a big problem yeah. for Christians, especially Christians. And, and I, so the point of that was when it comes down to, you know, loving people, if you do that, you become vulnerable. But if you're religious, I have my rules to protect me. And that's the problem with Jesus. He's going around absolutely healing on the Sabbath day. And they're like, what? Do you not have six other days? Well, you had <laughs> six other days and you didn't heal on any of them. Talking about the Sadducees. But when it comes to Jesus, he is being scrutinized for loving people. And then he made the comparison. Would not an ox, if it fell, would you not get it up? How much more this daughter of Abraham to be healed on a day set aside for her to rest? And it's just the spirit of that reality that I think when people, especially leaders, Christian leaders, recognize that's why you got into this. You didn't, yeah. you didn't get in this, the, into Jesus in terms of, quote, ministry for the money. I know you didn't. 
And along the way, things happen. I'm talking to folks out here. I don't know yeah, I'm of course. To. Yeah. You know, along the way, they got off. Get back. You can come back. It's not hard. It's one step, one breath, one thought away to say, you know what, Lord, what do you think? Help me to love better today. When we do that, we call it at our church a love-led encounter. Yes. And life can be that for everybody that chooses it. So an extension of this is how do you provide that love in a world that is seemingly dominated by technology? And let's just stop with that. How do you do that in meeting people, especially millennials, Gen Z, in this society that is very focused on technological advancement? Again, great question. There are three things basically that I focus on in a lot of the training that we do. And it is what we call three Ds, design, direction, and development. Hmm. We help people to ask the question, why am I here? Which helps with their design. What am I supposed to do? Which helps with their direction. And then how can I improve? Which helps with their development. Now that's sort of like a set of shoulder pads. And then you put the jersey on. When I take this further into no saying for real, why are you here? What are you designed for? And try to pull that out or encourage people to give me more spiritually, financially, community, and relationally. When I get there, they take the jersey off because it's too much to think about yeah. when I'm really trained to gain. I'm trained to get stuff from people. I'm not, gained, mm. I'm not trained to provide value. And since I'm not trained, you're asking me questions that connect to value. And a lot of people take off the jersey and they take off the shoulder pads. But until we get there, there is no satisfaction because everyone's gifting is designed for someone's problem. And if they have a problem and you have a solution, they're upset because they're not served. And you're upset because you're overserved. You're too mm. full of you. So we encourage people to just get out of your way and just answer the question, why are you here? And when people really begin to move in the direction of answering that, then that's why your design is what it is. And then we can move through development and move through direction. But it starts with ans answering those, what we call critical thinking questions, which we weave through the book in a subtle kind of way so that it doesn't seem like it's brainy and uh, cerebral. It's just very simply nudging the person forward with something they were already designed to do, and that is to think. Right. How was that put together through the lens of, let's say, social media, for how you use that? Or, or because there's there's so much right or wrong, whatever, but there's so much of communication that is processed today through texting, email, social media. How do you use those formats to reach people, let's say younger people, with that message? You know, millennials are, you, you guys are sharp. I mean, y'all were, y'all are digital natives. You're the first real digital natives. Everybody else is a visitor. Uh, <laughs> we are. You guys, you guys were born in this. And so, you know, I see uh, older individuals, 50 being older. Okay. And, you know, they're frustrated by things that you guys, all you got to do is click here. And <laughs> that to me is the relationship opportunity by itself. And that's what we talked about when we put together, you know, the process of millennials at church, this, this whole thing about the older people need the younger people, right? The younger people need the older people. It's not because the experience over here is such that we don't need to listen to somebody who's younger and vice versa. The younger person is not 
to very easily dismiss that information. So honestly, technology was made by God and it was made by God for the propagating of his agenda. It has been reasonably stolen. And because we let it get hijacked, because once again, why are we here? We didn't answer the question of what we're supposed to be doing now that we know why we're here. And since we didn't do a deep dive on our design, technology comes in and gets taken over by people that use them for nefarious purposes or don't use them for the good that they could help propagate. And so I think it's a conversation again. I think it's a dialogue. And there was one, one last point I want to make. We had these two young millennials. This is eight years ago. Yeah. And uh, I, I had to almost matrix them, but I did <laughs> it through the older people saying, look, there are two pills here. Right. There's a red pill, there's a yellow pill. I mean, a green pill. I mean, blue. Blue, blue yep. <laughs> Which one are you going to take? Which was to say to them, I'm not getting rid of these guys. I'm not going to turn my back on them because there's a communications gap here. Yeah. I need you to take this pill, the, which is the long game of patience, which is what you said you are in this, in this house here. You're supposed to be a child or a son of God. Let's be patient with them. And I'll tell you, Dr. D, it was, it was, it was, some folks left. In fact, yeah, yeah. most of them left. And now out of those two, there's one of those two. Now we got about 20, 30 or 40 others who are up and coming and some in yeah. that rank. But this cat, we, I, I made a stand for his knowledge, which he is a technological wizard and used the relationship of what he knew to bridge the gap of what I knew. Yeah, and that's just one way that that it worked instead of disdaining him because he knows more than I know. Right. I want to jump into something that I think it may be also part of the issue uh, here too is that you mentioned that Jesus is a problem for Christians. I never heard it that way, by the way. Very interesting. Very bold. And maybe it's a problem too in the sense of that when people are thinking about getting into a relationship with God and Jesus, but then they see other people who claim to have that relationship, but then also support very kind of tyrannical evil things in the world. Talk about that friction and why that may be some part of the issue on some level too. Yeah, it definitely is. I often go to Romans 1 uh, that says that his invisible nature, his divine power, and his, his attributes which are clearly seen in nature, covers the challenges that people who are in church hurt and people who hurt church people mm. uh, go through. Because nature is in every sector of the planet. And whether we wanna call it mother nature or father time, um, either way you, a person would spin it, you've gotta think this can't be random for this much order right. to exist. Right. And so I would encourage the person who is waiting for love to be shown by a person, and it should be, to instead look beyond the nature to the creator who created what you see. And in your heart, begin to just, as the, I know the scripture says, cry out, but it, it is really that, especially if you got a, a deep hurt, scream. And, and say, well, who are you? If you are here, you got to help me. Now, for the religious who have been through church hurt, and they're also like, you know, I ain't trying to, they're, they're looking for other routes because Christianity wasn't it. 
you know, all I can say again to them is Jesus is a person. You know, he's not an ideal. He's not an icon. He's not a statue. He's not a cross. He is a person. And to be honest with you, the more I think about him on certain levels, like, okay, so he wakes up the morning of getting ready to go to the cross. Okay, what are you like <laughs> on your worst day? Right. And now you're having dinner with the, with the betrayers who are going to run from you, but tell you they're going to cling to you. And yet Jesus, see, to me, that's fascinating. I don't want to know how that is. Yeah. I don't want to know how. Right. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. But to think about a person who's willing to be patient with people on his way to the most painful day in anyone's life. I find that fascinating. And to me, it's like, Lord, that's why you're worthy. It's just another, another facet of why you're worthy. So while many people lower the version or lower the view to people and try to find God in them, they should mm. be raising their view and look for him. And when that happens, I think that's a part of this great awakening that's gonna come. The Bible references that. And I think that day is coming. So, and adding on to that, I have noticed, I mean, I've been in the fitness business forever, but I've, I've noticed a, a very large increase in the concept of wellness. When wellness and, and, and a component of wellness called spirituality. Now, how that is defined, I think, is very different from person to person at this point. But ha have you seen this where more people are looking to something greater than themselves? They may not profess that it's God, the whole thing. They, maybe they call it the universe. Do you see that this is something that more people are, are being open to? I do. And I think COVID has escalated the time frame mm. where people want well-being, they want peace, and they want it, like you're mentioning, at that level. And this, to me, is why or where the church of the Lord Jesus, not a particular church, but those mm -hmm. who are called and who accept that it really is good to do what God says, yeah. that remnant is what should be being positioned to wait on that person's coming. I said to our church the other week, and this might be provocative too, to the group here, I'm, I'm not sure. But I said, if God sends homosexuals to this ministry, you better not hurt them. Yeah. I said to the congregation, and they clapped. I was glad they did. Of they course, yeah. They didn't stone me. And I said- <laughs> I would hope not. I mean- <laughs> Right, Love exactly. others, love people. <laughs> but how many places I was, we were just in another city, and this particular lady said, I cannot stand the drums and all of this loud music. Then she said, I would rather go to, this is a Christian, said she would rather go to hell than listen to those drums. Wow. So, wow. so, so what that tells me is, again, religion is the only thing, Jesus said, that renders the word of God of no effect. And I think sometimes, again, when like folks are looking for Jesus and they don't know how to describe him, so they're going to describe him off if they have no reference. But if you're religious, you'll try to correct the vocabulary when they're trying to find a person. Right. And so that whole crew that's out there, I think, I think the Lord is moving them away and he's bringing forth a remnant church 
that loves him and loves people, first two commandments. That was, in, in thinking about this, that was my, what's the future of the church? Is the church transforming to become more like it maybe it's supposed to be <laughs> in some sense? Talk, talk to me. I don't know. I have, you know, there's a lot. I know so, so many people that are Christians, believe in God, but have a very dicey relationship with the church. Yeah. And what attending church means and how church is presented yeah the different formats i would love to hear your take on that you know you you started off with a very powerful uh position which is is what what does it look like and what it is today is not what it's going to look like yeah what it looks like today is reasonably daunting um frightening sad but what it's going to look like, I think, is a glorious church, which he said he's coming back for. So that tells me that the Lord has some plans up his sleeve, sleeves, and he's looking to reveal those plans. I honestly think that COVID is a cleanser in this sense, that there are people who, like in the days of uh, Gideon, and that army was so huge, and the mm -hmm. Lord said, I can't win with a big army. And he said, tell the people who just got married and who have this situation going on, go home. So he goes and I think 10,000 people leaves. And the Lord tells him the army is still too big. He says, now the test is let them bend and drink water and the ones who lap like a dog, send them home. But the ones who bring the water to their face, that's my army. I believe that the army of the Lord are those who are okay with going to Walmart and the church. I think those who have been sent home go to Walmart, but they won't go to church. <laughs> they go to work, but they ain't going to church. Yeah. I love them, don't know who they are, have no person in mind, but that mindset is leaving. And therefore what's being left is the heart of what God brought forth when he said to Jesus, the things that connect to why Christ came. And he sent his son to destroy the works of the devil and there is, I think, a good number of people who don't mind destroying each other's works. I mm. think they're leaving. I think what's being left over are those who genuinely just want what God wants. Yeah, we're flawed. We're going to make mistakes. But people are not a, a, a second um, option in terms of this agenda. Meaning we, the Lord is going to have people, churches that love people first after loving God. And that group right there, I think, is the future of the church. Actually, I, I agree with that. I think we've, you know, I always think the most intelligent people I know make things very simple. They don't make things sound more intelligent than they are. Yeah. You know, and I, it's always simple. Love God, love others. I've, that's, I've always been a big part of that. That's, I always pray that every single morning, Lord, help me to love others the way that you love me. Wow. And you have others. How do I do that? I want to do that every day wow. versus let's roll out this huge scroll of uh, a list, this grocery list of things I'm not going to be doing or going to be, you know, <laughs> it's like overregulation of like your value system. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I mean, for real. <laughs> Interested in signing up for more stress. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. 
I want more stress. Give me a lot of stuff. <laughs> and, and that's why to me, you know, when I look at, I, I jumped on a prayer call last night and I, I didn't know I was going to be speaking, but they asked me like just a few minutes beforehand. And I had to depend on the Lord. Now, to be honest, I was looking for the shore. I was looking for my notes. I'm like, you know, where were the notes? And my wife was on the call. I was like, honey, honey, where are the, where's the, where are the notes? Where are the I think notes? The, so I'm proving that sometimes I depend on me and not on him. Right in that moment, I'm proving it. Yeah. And so I heard very clearly, will you trust me? of course I'm going to trust you, Lord. Then why are you looking at the notes? <laughs> <laughs> and having done this so many times at church yeah. where I'll either leave them or he'll just say, don't open it. I know what he's up to. He's after something I'm not thinking about. That's vulnerableness. That's a vulnerable place. Religion don't like that. Religion yeah. likes A, B, C, and it's called order, not control. But if the Holy <laughs> Spirit wants something that's not on our list, Will we permit our hearts to be open to that? And I'm telling you, Dr. Dr. D, when I finish sharing for, I don't know, 15, 14 minutes, whatever, you could just sense a hush there. And it wasn't because I'm so anointed. I am anointed <laughs> because I'm called to do what I do, just like you're anointed. Yeah. that is doing what God says has been smeared with a portion of his grace. And I was aware, of course, at the end, I was like, Lord, you know, I, I don't want to keep second guessing your plan as if i have a track record that <laughs> <laughs> you should consider my way you know maybe you should get it I've doesn't done everything right <laughs> <laughs> exactly and that's the thing to your point about the list just love god yeah. love people and to pray that prayer that way that you're praying daily every day man i am sure we i could be interviewing you <laughs> Things that have been unfolded in the midst of a desire that says, I want you here in this situation. I, it's admirable. That's awesome. I don't Thank think you. I've heard anybody ever even say that. <laughs> I think it just, I like to keep things simple. I'm like, well, what is this really about? <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. and I think just like if you take any concept, the more you muddle it and you shake it up and you make it really complex, yeah. there's a lot of room for um, indecision for uh, a lot of lack of clarity for it. We got to make things clear to people. Really do. And if it's not clear, then, you know, it's, I was talking to somebody who was this kind of thing, certainty versus trust. You know, when, when you lack certainty, you lack trust. When you lack trust, you lack all these things. For a lot of people, if there's no trust in an institution or, or a concept or an idea, then they yeah. just search aimlessly for something that will provide that certainty exactly in their life you know i was reading a book on the way there called uh, story branding mm. and the idea of that is they broke down when you consider what people want it is what you just said and it starts foremost according to, to this research with survival and some sense of pleasure almost like mavlos yeah know, thing have lost and it was Maslow or Pavlov? I forgot. Maslow's hierarchy. Maslow. Yeah. yeah. And this hierarchy is in the sales sequence. Right. People have too much to think about. The brain says, I'm burning proteins and that's work. Dismiss, dismiss. And that's what we get used to on our phones. Dismiss, dismiss, dismiss. dismiss. Yep, yep, Until yep. the one thing that serves, wait a minute, this helps me survive. 
Yeah. If it's pleasure, it's helping me survive. If it's an idea. And so ministry, we got to know that as, as leaders of churches, we got to know people come in with a survival, survival of the fittest kind of mindset and church becomes the respite. We made it. Whew, I'm here. And that's the reason why the music, I think, is often what the music is to bring inspiration. The challenge is when you leave there, you need to have some tools. If you don't have any tools and you go back, you're waiting for Sunday again. That's crazy. That's not what God's doing. So we try to approach it from a different vantage point. It's the whole thing where like you go and you sit in church and you get these, you get all this great music and the message and you feel uplifted and then you go and flip somebody off in the parking lot of church on the way home. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you know, it happens, man. <laughs> I was just sharing at a church where this lady was, she had on all the praise garb. Yeah. I mean, extra long sleeves. So when her hand goes up, everybody can see. And I'm not saying that people who wear that sure. always have that. Yeah. But she did. And Usher came over and said, um, no pictures because they had just said no pictures of this event. And uh, I mean, I'm telling you, she dressed him down. <laughs> <She> <laughs> One side or another, another Ooh. usher came over. This thing went on three or four times until finally, you know, she saw that they were still watching her. Yeah. But her attitude was terrible, but she looked like it wasn't. Right. And so I approached yeah. her afterwards and I said, you know, ma'am, you know, you were wrong, don't you? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> if you were in authority and you told someone, this is, this is how we're rolling, would you like it if someone challenged you? Well, the other lady, I said, what did Jesus say about that? <laughs> said, what? <laughs> this is what I said to her, I have to do with you. You are right, sir. I said, and to make this really right, you need to go apologize. Oh, she finally went over and apologized and found the other lady. The other lady was, was gone, but that whole thing will mess up a person yeah. who's in church to your earlier point trying to find God, but can't see him for people. So yeah. we've got to be as, as transparent as we can about our issues, our struggles, our challenges, and say, I just need God, man. So we can work it out together. We can work it out together. Now, here's something that we do know. The, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharp. It doesn't change. This is going to be my God. Let's hold one another accountable, and let's walk this thing out together. So yeah. I think that's a way to, to move the, the needle forward. I mean, what a great conversation about all this. I mean, I, I love, love chatting about almost any topic, but um, I certainly love talking about all things faith and spirituality and all those things. Dr. Tibbs, I really appreciate you giving me some of your time today. Uh, it's a valuable time. I don't take it lightly. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's my, pre my pr privilege and pleasure. Uh, to be here with you, Dr. D, and I've enjoyed this, I tell you, immensely. That's e awesome. Well, tell us where, uh, let's tell everybody who's going to check this out, how they can connect with you or where they could even, if that's a possibility, watch your services, all that stuff. If you'd like, uh, our website is kdchurch.org, and you can go there and all the information is available. We're on YouTube on Sundays Live, as well as in church. Um, and that uh, address is at KD Church Global uh, for the YouTube. For Facebook, we're also simulcasting there live, and that is kingdom.dominion.church. And again, all that's available at the website. 
if they are available on Wednesdays, we're online completely on Wednesdays. And we're asking the question um, by this time next year. And we're filling in the blanks with provocative thoughts about what does it look like in 12 months? And we're going throughout the scripture and we're perusing what does it look like for the person? Uh, we also have a coaching website where I coach co couples, uh, pre-married, as well as married couples. I haven't moved into the divorce field yet. There's enough for, for others to do there. <laughs> and that's at calvintibs.com. And we're about to put together a group coaching scenario where people can save money in that process and yet get individual time over the course of the months that we work together. And I'm just excited about any of that. We're on LinkedIn as well. And we even have a Twitter account from another book that we wrote some years ago. So they can do that. And they can also reach us at um, pastor at kdc.tv for the email. Fantastic. Everyone, Dr. J. Calvin Tibbs, thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Dr. D. I appreciated this. God bless you. Love you much. And may success continue with your ministry. Thank you, sir.